Hello, and welcome to the STEM at St. Mike's podcast. Thank you so much for listening again. Um, today we were supposed to have a meteorology professor, but we didn't contact him in time. So we have Greg Herner here to talk about his research. Yeah, we did indeed drop the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we pulled aside one of our friends, and he did research on campus this summer and has worked with... Professor Trish Sipwan on some vaccine hesitancy research and looking at vaccine um, rates at colleges in Vermont. So we figured he could talk about it today. So hi, Greg. Hey, guys. How about you tell us about yourself? So I'm a junior public health and equity studies major with a minor in biology. And I'm really interested in epidemiology, specifically social epidemiology and how different diseases are transmitted. And how different social factors like race and racism and gender and income levels all affect disease transmission. Nice. And what cool. else do you do on campus besides school? Um, so I mainly do school, but I am also an adventure sports instructor. I lead whitewater kayaking trips and rock climbing and ice climbing and mountain biking. Um, I'm also part of SGAC, which is a student global AIDS campaign. And we lobby for a certain AIDS policy in Vermont. So what did you do this summer? So my research really started the spring of my freshman year. I was getting involved in a lot of different campus projects around COVID-19 with the CAN class, which is the COVID Action Practicum. And I sort of just wanted like an immersive public health class because a lot of the classes I've taken are all like theory based and like having that practical piece is really good because you can apply the, the theory to practice but I I was part of the data question group and I was working on brainstorming projects and I wanted to do a vaccine hesitancy survey at St. Mike's so I brought it to Mary Mason who's the director of health services here and she said that's a great idea and then she hooked me up with people from the Vermont Department of Health and all of the different health center directors at all of the colleges in Vermont. And basically our goal was to send this to all of the colleges throughout the state and get a measure of the vaccine hesitancy rates, specifically among college students in Vermont. I was working with another student at the time who's now graduated, but he was a senior biology major, so he was a big help. Well, how did that relate to what you did this summer in your research. Okay, I was get, I was gonna get there. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, we measured the vaccine as units, and I worked with a few of the epidemiologists at the health department, and we had all this demographic data we collected that corresponded with all these open-ended questions about different vaccine opinions, and we had this whole big data set, and we wrote a paper kind of uh, part of a paper, Most, m- mostly done. But so our goal w- with this paper is to, to submit a new journal and it's still in the process right now. But, but basically I wanted to do more research over the summer and I didn't really know what to do. And I was sort of just brainstorming stuff with professors and they said that like this data set's a really great data set to work with to do some kind of other project like a follow-up study. So I had this idea to interview all the schools that I surveyed to figure out more of the underlying social and political factors that affected the students' 
opinions to get vaccinated and not get vaccinated and how those factors are extremely context specific uh, based off of the political climate and social climate at each institution. For example, like Norwich, which is a military institution, had a much lower vaccine hesitancy rate in the first survey. So when I went to go interview them this summer, I asked specific questions that were related to that and their political climate and the social climate. And basically I found that. So basically at Norwich, we found that um, the main reason for people being vaccine hesitant is the political climate because the uh, political climate is mainly conservative males. They tended to be more focused on individual liberties rather than a collectivist public health mindset. And they also followed conservative media, which spews a lot of anti-vax slash like individual freedom kind of stuff. So all of that influenced their opinions. And then at St. Michael's and uh, Champlain College, about like 98.9% of students got vaccinated or agreed with uh, getting vaccinated or said they were going to get vaccinated. And there are many factors with that. Uh, first is, is like the, the size of the school. It's a very small school and they're both liberal arts institutions and the curriculum at both schools are just generally pretty liberal. And yeah, so the research was all focused around the different social and political factors, specifically at Vermont institutions that had an impact on vaccine hesitancy rates. So I was using that data set that I collected the spring of my freshman year. And I worked with that uh, this summer, along with all the interviews I collected to sort of formulate a paper. But instead of using all of the quantitative data I collected, I tried to use the qualitative data and frame it in more of a social science lens rather than purely statistical. Like, what do you feel like is the biggest challenge when working with qualitative data versus quantitative data? That is a really good question. I think that qualitative data is way more difficult to work with than quantitative data. I think that like there are a lot more set rules when you're working with quantitative data. Like you have all of these formulas you can use to calculate like p-values and you can do chi-square tests, all of that stuff leads you to like one different answer and you can use that answer to support um, a hypothesis. You either say like this data supports hypothesis or it doesn't support the hypothesis. But if you're using qualitative data, things are a bit more complicated. You have to organize, you have to organize the um, data into categories and you have to figure out which data fits into which different categories. You need to figure out how you're organizing your data if you even want to organize it into categories. And if you're collecting interviews, you have to go through each interview and pick out the different themes in the interview that relate to your research question and then organize all of that into categories in it. It's also a lot harder to write about, I think, especially because I'm, I'm super new to qualitative research. So when writing about it, you can't, you can't, I mean, obviously research is very objective, but when you're doing qualitative research, the level of objectivity is sort of, I don't want to say diminished a little bit, but kind of, because instead of using numbers, you're using words. And there's going to be that inherent bias that the researcher is going to bring. And that's actually where my, the next project that I did following the summer study that I'm, I'm doing um, is based off of. We 
me and my professor decided that there was a lot more to the research than just vaccine hesitancy. And we sort of picked apart research methods, specifically like research methods related to COVID-19 research. And we related that to politics and how certain institutions have more of a bias when doing research. It is very cool. So Greg, what do you want to do after you leave St. Mike's? So I'm not 100% sure. I know that I want to go to grad school for either epidemiology or something related to public health, but probably either environmental health or epidemiology. And I think eventually I want to probably go into research. Yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. So, so in your own personal life, did you guys, did either of you find like that you had people close to you that were vaccine hesitant? Yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah. I, I guess not in my personal life, but I do know of people who were vaccine hesitant. They were vaccine hesitant for many different reasons. (laughs) <laughs> mostly related to is it, well if we're talking about vaccine hesitancy related to COVID-19 those reasons are much different than like vaccine hesitancy related to the influenza vaccine because if you're talking about like the influenza vaccine most people are vaccine hesitant because they don't think that it works every year because the flu virus is there's so many different variants of the flu virus that people just assume that every vaccine doesn't work but with the COVID vaccine a lot of people have different reasons for being vaccine hesitant, such as like the side effects that were associated with it and the rapid development of the vaccine really freaks people out. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, that's the main argument I heard of people like, oh, it's so new, it's so new. Like, I don't know if like that was... I mean, I don't don't they make a new flu vaccine every year? <laughs> so why are they so concerned by... I think I don't know. that a lot of it had to do with the way that media was portraying, portraying oh, yeah, all of this. Sure. Because... If you listen to, like, Fox News. (laughs) Well, I feel like it's more, I think, like, people were, like, now that we have an age where there's so much technology available to everyone, and everyone can just look up side effects of COVID vaccine, and you're going to be given so many articles, and some of them are going to be from reputable sources, and some of them are not going to be. So you're more like, people are more likely to do their own research which means they're going to get information that's inaccurate. But because they found on the internet, they're like, oh, it's true. Like, I really think that's what causes a lot of Definitely. Problems. Misinformation yeah. plays a huge part in vaccine hesitancy. Like, there's obviously the stereotype of, like, Facebook moms, like, granola kind of hippie moms being more vaccine hesitant than others. But, like, there is a problem with social media and the way that information like this is, is given through platforms like Facebook and Instagram. And there aren't a lot of people regulating that knowledge very well. Do you have any thoughts? I don't know. I find that- Part of my family is uh, vaccine hesitant. And then the other half is not hesitant. And it sometimes makes- Conflict at the dinner table. Yeah, it makes yeah. some some fun conversations within the family. I have family members with opposing views too, and I think it's interesting to like talk to them. I think it's interesting to talk to your family members who don't have the same view as you because, like, 
their reason for not getting vaccinated is like like they're so set in stone like oh this is why i'm not vaccinated Mm -hmm. this is why i'm not vaccinated like you're crazy for getting the vaccine and it's just like because i'm so far removed from that world Mm -hmm. it just doesn't like that feels so fake to me but then i think like oh like that's that world that they grew up in or that's where they're living and so obviously that feels really real to them i feel like Mm -hmm. it's a very it's just a very interesting topic and i think that sometimes our healthcare system falls short of truly educating people about vaccines and in like you know a way that people understand languages they understand like i think that also is something that the healthcare system can take on as something they they have to be better at i think that i i like what you're saying and like vaccine hesitancy is very cultural specific and i think a lot of times um like people in the United States don't necessarily realize that there are so many different cultures in the United States, like political parties represent different cultures. And you obviously have different groups of people who lean more Republican or Democrat, but then you have different cultural factors that are associated with like those like political parties And then all of those like cultural factors have an impact on like someone's opinions to get vaccinated. It's a very like complicated topic. All right, Lily, shall we do this science joke of the day? Should I read it? Yeah, you read it. Okay. Two chemists go into a bar. The first one says, I think I'll have H2O. The second one says, I think I'll have H2O too. And then he died. Oh. Not the hydrogen peroxide. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's next week? Next week, we'll be talking to Professor Siflon about her research um, on HIV AIDS and her book and her class that she has going on right now about the global AIDS pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.